Okay, I'm very happy to introduce Yamina Clavel, who's going to teach us, well, speak to us about <laughs> naturalizing Heidegger against his will. Okay. Oh, despite Heidegger. Yeah, <laughs> I changed the title. It was too violent. To s <laughs> so, Still okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm presumptuous to know the will of Heidegger. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. So thank you, thank you very much for organizing this event and to everyone who is here today. And yeah, I'm going to discuss the naturalization of Heideggerian phenomenology. Uh, so very broadly, the question I am interested in is whether we can actually naturalize Heideggerian phenomenology. This concern for me arises from what is nowadays labeled Heideggerian cognitive science, which, of course, answers this question positively. Yeah, we can naturalize phenomenology. Today, I will only focus on Hubert Dreyfus, um, who is one of the main supporters of this research program. He, he began a very critical engagement with artificial intelligence, uh, but later on, he moved on to a more positive engagement so to the idea that phenomenology can actually guide further empirical research. So here's my plan for today. I will start by introducing Dreyfus' continuity thesis. Then I will move on to a naturalistic reading of Heidegger. Uh, for this, I will only focus on being on time, on the basic problems of phenomenology, and on the fundamental concepts of metaphysics. I believe that Heidegger resists this naturalistic reading, okay? So to make sense of this resistance, I will move on to part three, a matter of who, not what. And I will turn to the difference between uh, the analytic of Dasein and anthropology, psychology, and biology, which are the positive sciences Heidegger usually engaged with. Although he also makes, uh, makes reference to cybernetics, for, for instance, and to ethnology. Um, I will read this difference by appealing to the difference between phenomenological concepts and theoretical concepts. Uh, to deepen into this, I will appeal to some passages in Kant on the Problem of Metaphysics, in the Phenomenological Interpretations of Aristotle, the Phenomenology of Religious Life, and on Heidegger's comments on Carl Jasper's Psychology of Worldviews. So I will not, no go, not, I will not go further than 1930, okay? So that's important. I will conclude um, that it is only possible to hold one of Dreyfus's uh, premises, and that this premise does not lead us to the naturalism he intended. However, he does indicate why Heidegger's lack of naturalism might leave us unsatisfied, okay? I will argue that Heidegger leaves a gap between the ontic and the ontological. And this is the gap Dreyfus somehow attempted to close, thus leaving us with a far more satisfying view. Okay, so moving on to Dreyfus's naturalism. It is important to note that he doesn't actually make a case for naturalism, explicitly at least. And in fact, we can actually argue that his naturalism is quite weak. So I should begin by clarifying why I'm calling him a naturalistic philosopher. Of course, the first problem we, ha we have is that naturalist is nowadays a widely used term, and at the same time, it has very different meanings from one philosopher to another. So 
Very broadly, I take naturalism to hold what I call the priority claim, which is a claim that science is prior to other kinds of inquiry. And one way to put this is to say that given a conflict between a phenomenological claim and a scientific claim, it is the philosopher who has the burden of proof. So that's the way I will be understanding naturalism. Now, opposing naturalism, we can find either um, an anti-naturalistic position, which would be the idea that either philosophy is a fundamental science and must ground every theoretical task, or we will find um, more like an autonomous, which is the idea that philosophy and science are two independent and autonomous inquiries. Now, Dreyfus stands somewhere in the middle of these views. He holds a weak kind of naturalism that is expressed by the continuity thesis. That is the idea that science and philosophy are continuous with each other. So for instance, in his commentary to Being and Time, while discussing the current validity of Heidegger's text, he makes this claim, the first one, according to which human sciences better take seriously the conclusions that result from philosophy, because otherwise scientific research would be wasting some very precious time, okay? And in that same line, he, a few years later, uh, he claims that there is a contribution a very specific contribution from Heideggerian artificial intelligence to cognitive science, namely an account of non-representational coping with the world. Now, why should the scientists take philosophical ideas seriously? Well, for starters, because philosophical assumptions are already at work when they are doing research. These assumptions constitute the background of scientific research. Artificial intelligence, for instance, is shaped by philosophical rationalism, is shaped by the idea that human being is defined as a rational animal, is defined by the idea that reason is computation and rule following and so and so, okay? So, for Dreyfus, science and philosophy are deeply intertwined. However, and this is important to understand why it is still a naturalistic stance, the relation between these two are not, is not a one-way street that is from philosophy to science. He does take each to have methodological autonomy. He distinguishes what uh, computers still can't do between a priori theorizing and empirical uh, theorizing. However, he still considers that, art that artificial intelligence is a way of showing the limitations of philosophical assumptions, okay? technique as a way of showing the limitations of philosophical assumptions. And in that same line, he takes the success or failure of artificial intelligence to be an empirical matter. So philosophy can explain why artificial intelligence fails or could fail. However, whether it fails is still an empirical matter. The failure of artificial intelligence does entail for him the failure of rationalism. And in that same spirit, we could say that it is possible that the success of artificial intelligence would entail the success of other philosophical proposals over the phenomenological ones. This, of course, is something he never says, okay? However, that could easily follow from his ideas. 
So for him, the results of natural science can decide a philosophical debate. There are at least some pieces of scientific knowledge that can break, as it were, but it is for him a philosophical tie, okay? Now, in the background of his naturalistic uh, attitude, there are a couple of assumptions regarding the nature of the analytic of Dasein and its relationship with science. They are more like two interpretive requirements. So on the one hand, the naturalistic stance of Dreyfus requires an interpretation of the analytic of Dasein as a regional ontology. And on the other hand, he takes regional ontologies as providing the concepts that underpin scientific theories. Okay, so starting with A, the interpretation of the analytic of Dasein as a regional ontology, we can see that from Dreyfus's point of view, human sciences can only be enriched and benefited in the way Dreyfus describes from a discipline with whom they share an object. Human sciences can enter into this dialogue with phenomenology, not only as sciences, that is a theoretical endeavor, rather as human sciences. The emphasis for Dreyfus is in the object. Human sciences and natural science are different in what concerns the impact phenomenological research can have on them. It only follows that the relevance of the analytic of, sorry, but, yeah, sorry. So it only follows that the relevance of the analytic of Dasein must be defined by its region of study or by that with which it is concerned. So for instance, when distinguishing Heidegger from Bourdieu, sorry about my French, he claims that the former would hold, and I quote, that Dasein's shared ways of behaving are not mere facts to be studied objectively by a scientific discipline such as anthropology or sociology. There is something more to human behavior besides scientific facts. Although he adds, they are scientific facts as well. Human behavior is something that is also open to scientific examination. As I said, he also holds something less controversial, which is the idea that regional ontologies underpin scientific concepts. So for him, it is natural to think that a philosophical account is necessary for scientific research because for starters, it frames the research space and question. Now I'll turn to Heidegger. Can we find these premises in Heidegger's thought and therefore accept Dreyfus's very specific project of naturalization, accepting in consequence that, well, Heidegger is in fact a naturalist? Another way to put it would be to ask ourselves whether this is Heideggerian cognitive science or Heideggerian star cognitive science, something that is not properly Heideggerian. Okay, so I will begin with B, the premise I take to be less controversial. As I said, um, he holds that, Dreyfus holds that regional ontologies underpin scientific concepts. So for um, this idea can be actually found in being and time. When Heidegger is discussing the priority of the question of being, he starts by arguing that on a daily basis, we distinguish among different kinds of entities, he says that our pre-scientific experience is filled with ontological interpretations. So for him, the ontological distinctions that are at work in scientific research are already there in our pre-scientific interactions. This, of course, is explained by our ontological mode of being. 
So one example of this would be to think maybe of gender differences and the role they play in scientific research. So there are cases in which a study which, that is concerned with sexual differences somehow borrows our social distinction. Now, for Heidegger, the pre-scientific delimitations are neither clear nor definitive. They are rather provisional delimitations that, and I quote, satisfy practically the purpose of positive science. Movement in science results from crises in, crisis in this coarse set of philosophical notions. The fundamental concepts of science are determined in our pre-scientific everyday dealings and are the thread that guide scientific research. And as they stand, they actually call for ontological clarification. This clarification of the ontological space, uh, space of specific sciences is at least in its broader sense an ontological endeavor that is labeled regional ontologies. So it is important to notice that this clarification is not supposed to temporarily precede scientific research. In fundamental concepts of, of metaphysics, Heidegger claims that these are not two processes, phases uh, of a production process. Sorry about that. Now, regional ontologies also require ontological clarification. They would be somehow misguided and blind and vicious if they were not preceded by a more fundamental inquiry, a more fundamental task, one that is somehow mandatory for any ontological endeavor. Fundamental ontology has a grounding character in that it is concerned with the conditions of possibility of ontological thinking itself and not only of scientific thought. This passage uh, already points towards the unbreakable bond between the analytic of Dasein and the fundamental ontology. Regional ontologies must include fundamental questioning to enlighten them. And this, for Heidegger, must be looked for in the analysis of the structures of existence. The analytic of Dasein, up to this point, would seem to share with regional ontologies the fact that it is delimited to an entity. However, the problem, as we will see ahead, is that this is not really an ontical determination, at least not in the same way. The analytic of Dasein is about ourselves, but it's not about not the way Dreyfus's would need it to be, okay? Up to this point, there, we can say that there is at least some kind of continuity thesis in Heidegger. Philosophy and science can be taken, can be taken to be continuous with each other, at least in the sense of philosophy serving as a base for scientific research. However, it is still not clear that the relevance of the analytic of Dasein is due to its being delimited to a region of being. Heidegger does discuss the relation of the analytic of Dasein with positive sciences. So he engages critically with his disciplines in being and time, and he takes them to be problematic in that they fail to give an ontologically adequate answer. Ontological foundations cannot be derived from empirical material. Put differently, it is to say that if this discipline is truly intended to understand and capture the essential features of human beings, they wouldn't recur to empirical material. However, we could still claim that these disciplines were never intended to provide an account of, the, of such, such essential features. So couldn't they still recur to the analytic of Dasein? 
There are some passages in Heidegger that seems to answer this positively. Yes, they can recur to the analytic of dust. We could refer to Heidegger's analysis of ethnology as a way to provide an answer to this question. In this case, he wonders whether the foundations of Cassiter's analysis of mythical Dasein were sufficiently transparent. He wonders whether Kant's critique of pure reason can provide an outline for Cassiter's requirements. In the same direction, in his review of Cassiter's philosophy of, of symbolic forms, he indicates that the question is not whether, can I, uh, whether Cassiter's analysis can provide guidance for an empirical task, Rather, it is a question about its philosophical content, which in his eyes is mistaken. Cassirer's analysis of mythical Dasein required an ontology of Dasein. And when analyzing Jasper's psychology, Heidegger indicates that Jasper's approach is not suitable for its own purposes. At this point, we move on to the last part. What is wrong with this analysis? Heidegger actually uh, says something crucial about this. <coughs> Why Cassirer's anthropology and Jasper's psychology are flawed? Well, Heidegger claims this, that the phenomenon of, of existence cannot be formulated in regional terms. Dasein is never a region of entities. And that is the major flaw he sees in this analysis. So, according to Heidegger, what Jaspers intended to analyze was that with, uh, which the formal indication existence points to. Formal indications, unlike categories, indicate always a who and not a what. The referent of the term existence or of the personal pronoun I cannot be identified with empirical subject of psychology or with a human being of anthropology. They force upon this entity categories which are inadequate for existence and therefore go against their, their intentions of grasping human being. Formal indications allow us to grasp the way the Dasein dwells in the world by indicating the way we relate to our existence and to the world. While regional ontologies depend on categories, existence can only be grasped as that which is lived or performed. For this reason, the concepts of the analytic of Dasein can only be taken as indicating how our existence is given. The task of philosophy is therefore transformed. It is no longer supposed to divide being into regions. For in other words, it won't work as a theory of science. The structure of these disciplines must be questioned. Ultimately, what is questionable is whether they will remain blind to the phenomenon under study. Existence cannot, according to Heidegger, be grasped by a positive analysis. And one may wonder, as he does in the Solicon Seminars, whether anything human remains when we've lost sight of the essential features of existence. So. Where does this leave us? What's the moral of this analysis? Well, firstly, I think it's clear that the analytic of Dasein cannot be taken as a regional ontology. Thus, the continuity uh, between science and philosophy is not a matter of theory of sciences, as Dreyfus sometimes takes it to be. 
This, of course, is relevant when considering Heidegger's remarks on the relation and unity of science and philosophy. Phenomenology is relevant because it provides an examination of the adequacy or inadequacy of scientific thought. It provides an account of what it means to approach something from the point of view of science. Furthermore, the stronger claim that science can decide philosophical debates seems to be out of the question for Heidegger. He's not a naturalist, even though he does argue for the continuity thesis. However, it is also pertinent to ask whether we're being unfair to Dreyfus. We must distinguish between Dreyfus as a Heidegger scholar, someone who is well aware of the nature of Heidegger's thought, and Dreyfus as a philosopher of cognitive science. Thus, the question is transformed. Now we wonder, what is the relation and the compatibility between these two Dreyfuses? It might turn out that we have, on the one hand, the Heidegger scholar, and the, on the other, the supporter of Heideggerian star cognitive science, not Heideggerian proper. As a supporter of Heideggerian star cognitive science, he cannot be concerned with what is phenomenologically understood of existence. Now, this leaves us with a gap that seems unbridgeable between the ontological analysis of the analytic of Dasein and the ontic analysis of human sciences. And there is something unsatisfying with this answer, with the fact that, although it is clear that the analytic of Dasein is concerned with the scientist, it is only concerned with her insofar as she is a scientist. What is of interest is her encounter with the world. But thus, Heideggerian phenomenology sells itself short. Shouldn't we say that if the scientist happened to be reading Bing and Time, her research would take a different turn? And this turn is not abandoning her research because it can never be concerned with what is essential in us, but rather deepening the understanding of what it is to be human and resulting thus in a Heideggerian proper cognitive science? That is my eternal question. Thank you very much.